Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real, and mostly unedited. This show is for ages 14 and up, because sometimes you just need to use a swear. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Previously on Tone Deaf. So, yeah. so now I'm an expert because I've seen the South Park you've, episode. You've seen the South Park episode. Yeah, you know everything about this. So so West Side Story, that's the only one I know for sure. It, wait, he did do West Side no. Story. No. Oh, damn it. Is, this is, that, one, is that one with the Cobras? Wait. What? Is that one with gangs? Like, yes. Okay. Isn't one of the gangs called the Cobras or something? No. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, West Side Story. Yes. That's the only thing I really know about that other than Cobras. No. There are no cobras in it. The name of one of the gangs, right? And now for the thrilling conclusion to the Cobra Saga, it's time for West Side Story. Welcome to Tone Deaf a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So today we're actually going to do our first Sondheim show. Roger Sondheim? No. Oh. Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. We're going to be doing a modern take on Romeo and Juliet with West Side Story. That is about all I know of West Side Story, is that it's based on on, uh, Shakespeare's... Romeo and Juliet. Yep. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna apologize in advance, because in picking the version that we went with, I kinda got more choked up watching this stage production than I ever did watching the movie growing up, so. Is that just because of the compelling power of the actors? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're being sarcastic or if you're genuinely... I genuinely got choked up, so okay. I'm apologizing in, in advance. Okay. So she's saying that because Kay is expecting me to possibly get teary-eyed. Maybe. For that. But or at I, the very least, you're going to be like, that was unnecessary. But I am a cold, <laughs> unfeeling individual, so... That boy. <laughs> Except for when it comes to bad people. Except for bat people. Except so, for bat people. In musicals. <laughs> so, this musical is uh, from 1957. The book was written by Arthur Laurent, the music by Leonard Bernstein. Uh, he's the one who wrote Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. It's set in New York's Upper West Side neighborhood in the mid-1950s. So, it's set around the time that it was actually written. Okay. Which is why I'm doing the stage version and not the movie version. And we'll get into that some more later. Uh, The original production was choreographed by Jerome Robbins, who also choreographed Fiddler on the Roof, Peter Pan, The King and I, and, and, and... Oh, so his his title list goes for a while. His uh, list of shows that he's choreographed, wow. Wow. He was he was a brilliant choreographer, and you'll see that with this show. Cool. Um, the stage production was nominated for six Tonys and one for choreography and set design. 
It lost Best Musical to Music Man, which... Eh, eh, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, the film of the show that was produced in 1961, however, was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and won 10, including Best Picture. Oh, wow. Yes. And the movie's still really good. Um, I This episode is going to be kind of an info dump a little bit because there's a long history for this show. Because it was originally conceived in 1947. So it's about a 10-year production history for it. Wow. And um, it was uh, conceived by Robbins, Bernstein, and Lawrence. Um, it was going to be a musical adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. And it was going to focus on the conflict between a Jewish family and a Catholic family. Um it was going to be on the east side instead of the west side, and so its working title was actually East Side Story, um, and it was going to focus on the anti-Semitism that the Jewish, Jewish family received from the Catholic Jets, with the female lead being a Holocaust survivor. Oh, wow. Or being family of a Holocaust survivor, something like that. Um, they were working on the script, and Lawrence finishes the first draft, and they realize that the play is basically this radio show called AB's Irish Rose, which was about an Irish Catholic girl who falls in love with a Jewish man. So then they went, okay, we're shelving this for a little while. <laughs> so they got through, they got through right then. They were like, dang, this already exists. Yep. Uh, fast forward to 1955. So they, <laughs> so they start working on it again. And they'd been called to work on an adaptation of the novel Serenade. Um, and so they weren't going to work on East Side slash West Side Story yet, but this sort of sowed the seeds for it to get picked back up again, because Sondheim was grabbed to work on the lyrics for Serenade, and then there was a disagreement about his lyrics and stuff, and Serenade got shelved. So then, uh, Lawrence was working on a remake and he hooks back up with Bernstein, and they start talking about all these uh, youth gangs and stuff that are starting to rise up in the 50s, and their thoughts turned back to East Side Story. And Bernstein suggests, how about we move it to L.A. and focus on the tensions there, because um, there were tensions between Mexican immigrant youths and white youths, but uh, Lawrence said, no, let's stay in New York, um, and instead we'll focus on the tensions on the West Side with Puerto Rican immigrants and white youths, because um, he was more familiar with that. So then they approach Comden and Green, who um, have done a lot of shows that we're going to be seeing, uh, to write the lyrics, but instead uh, Comden and Green decided to do Peter Pan. Interesting decision. Yeah, which we'll be watching that one too. Uh, it's a good show. <laughs> I think they. I. I don't think that this show would have been the same if Con, Comden and Green had done West Side Story, uh, but they did grab Sondheim, and Sondheim was a little bit iffy at first, but then his mentor Oscar Hammerstein of Rogers and Hammerstein or Hammerstein. I apologize, by the way. I've got this throat tickle thing going on, so 
my voice might cut in and out. Yeah, me too, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, after he was urged by Hammerstein, Sondheim accepted the job of lyricist. And so they uh, were able to start working on the show, keeping it pretty close to Romeo and Juliet. However, they did remove a lot of stuff from the source material. So they don't have uh, a Rosalind character, which, if you remember from Romeo and Juliet, that's the girl who Romeo was in love with before he met Juliet, and she spurned him. And so he was like, oh, I'll never love again. And then he sees Juliet, and he's like, I'm in love. <laughs> so they take her out. They remove the parents, which is interesting. So you don't see their parents at all in the show, so it's really. So is it like just the kid, the street gangs It is just the street children? gangs, and then you've got the police, so and... <laughs> Yeah. So it's just youth in revolt with no ador with no uh, parental figures. Pretty much. Like, there's mention of parents, but it's not like two warring families and stuff. They also remove something at the end from Romeo and Juliet. And when we watch this, you will see which thing they removed. Can I guess, or will I ruin it? You can guess. I'm not going to say yes or no. Mm, then I don't... Well, maybe I can judge by your expression. I don't know. So, uh, uh, do they not both die at the end? Duh, is there no poison? She's stone-facing me. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to write it down mm -hmm. on a piece of paper. Put it in an envelope. <laughs> Put it in an envelope. Mail it to myself. <laughs> No, let's cut that stuff out. We'll see. We'll see if maybe I can I can guess what it'll be, and then we'll, yeah. we'll visit it in the the second half of it'll, our episode. It'll test your knowledge of Shakespeare. <laughs> what knowledge of Shakespeare? <laughs> so Sondheim influenced the show greatly with his lyrics. Um, and when we do future Sondheim shows, you're going to see the lyrics really are what drive his shows. This wasn't his first one that he did both music and lyrics, but this kind of sows the seeds for how he's going to write later. He actually will, like, change lines of dialogue into song lyrics. So, um, I don't want to give you the example that came to my mind yet, because it's a major spoiler. Uh -huh. But, <laughs> but yeah, he, he does that. He'll... He, he basically was doing stuff that wasn't normal. And this whole show, really, is revolutionary for the time. Because we have more dancing in this show than in other shows that were going on in the 50s. Uh, the choreography rehearsals back in the 50s would only last about four weeks. Robbins insisted he needed eight. So double the normal double time. Double the normal time. Wow. So it's yeah. there's about twice as much dancing or three times? There is there is so much dancing. And this is what the <laughs> show is famous for, is the dancing. The dancing, the music, it all just sort of works together. Uh, fun fact, though, for some of the uh, issues that plagued this show in its first run. The original male lead, whose name is Tony was going to go to James Dean. Do you know what happened to him around this time? He died in a car wreck? Yes. So that, you know, just, nope. 
nope, no James Dean. So uh, I'm actually going to read a quote from uh, Bernstein talking about all of the issues that went on with getting this show going. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone told us that West Side Story was an impossible project. And we were, to- we, to- we were told no one was going to be able to sing Augmented Fourths, as with Maria... Uh, <coughs> wow, that hurt. Also, they said the score was too rangy for pop music. Besides, who wants to see a show in which the first act curtain comes down on two dead bodies lying on the stage? <laughs> <laughs> then we had the really tough problem of casting it, because the characters had to be able to not only sing but dance and act and be taken for teenagers. Ultimately, some of the cast were teenagers, some were 21, some were 30 but looked 16, some were wonderful singers but couldn't dance very well, or vice versa, and if they could do both, they couldn't act. (laughs) Because oftentimes, and when we do uh, 42nd Street, you'll see, and I believe Chorus Line 2, the idea of a triple threat didn't used to be a major thing. You'd have your actors, you'd have your dancers, you'd have your singers. You might have an actor who could sing, or a dancer who could sing, or an actor who could dance, or a singer who could dance, but you wouldn't get all three. So, no triple threats. (laughs) Uh, During the rehearsal process, the Jets and the Sharks were actually kept apart And they were reminded of the gang violence that was sort of going on around the area in New York at the time. They would put up news clippings on the uh, pin boards and stuff up there. Uh, Because Robbins wanted this show to be realistic. (laughs) This was also realistic down to the costuming. Because the actors were wearing contemporary street clothes for the time. So the most scandalous thing ever Jeans and sneakers. <laughs> Those troublemakers. <laughs> Those troublemaking kids. So the first Broadway production opened in 57 and ran for 732 performances. Then a national tour launched in July of 59, and the original Broadway cast included Larry Kurt as Tony, Carol Lawrence, born Carolina Maria Loraya. Wow, I totally butchered that. I am so sorry. But she played Maria, who's the Juliet. So Tony's Romeo, Maria's Juliet. And Cheetah Rivera as Anita. We actually saw Cheetah Rivera recently in our Pippin episode. She was Fastrata. Okay. So then in uh, 61, they did a film and the film made some changes. They rearranged the songs Like all of them or just some key ones. They changed where they took place in the show and they let go of Robbins as choreographer halfway through production because it was too expensive to keep him on. Ah, he, cause his standards were so high. Well, and I mean, by this point he's, you know, choreographed everything. So be like trying to do an independent film with Robert Downey Jr. Like an independent student film. Went over budget there. But uh, Spielberg actually wants to do a remake that'll be closer to the Broadway production. And he wants to keep the feeling of the mid to late 50s that was kind of removed from the film production. Because by the time that they were filming 
the Upper West Side wasn't the same neighborhood. They were getting ready to tear everything down to put in the Lincoln Center. And so that kind of changed the whole feel of that neighborhood. So you didn't get the same feel that would lead to these blue-collar kids getting into gang fights because they feel like they need to do that. They feel like they need to have this little piece of turf. So uh, that's kind of why we're going to watch this uh, high school production because they do keep the feel of the 50s show in it. It's from the Guilford High School. They did a fantastic job, so I'm really excited to show you this one. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, before we go, do you have any questions? No, because I don't know very much about this show, and other than it's based on Romeo and Juliet, and you've alluded to some things being left out, which my brain is is cycling through my limited knowledge going, what did, what was left out, what was left out? And, uh, uh... I guess to I be... Guess, f- I guess my only real question is... Uh, what were the names of the the gangs again? The Jets and the Sharks. Neither one of those is Cobras. Neither one is Cobras. Pop quiz. Who wrote this musical? Sondheim. Very good. Who didn't write this musical? Um, the other guy who's not Sondheim. Um, the guy who wrote Cats. <laughs> His name is eluding me right now. <laughs> if you ask me later, I might have an answer. But right now, I don't. This episode is brought to you by copious amounts of Tussin. <laughs> <laughs> Did we mention that we're a little sick? We're a little under the weather. So please forgive us if we sound a little off. Yeah, it's... It's it's that time of the season, again, where everybody gets sick. Um, I will say, though, that I, I forgot that our last foray into anything Romeo and Juliet was two animated movies. Dear Lord, I was hoping you would not mention those. <laughs> But you, you, you have. Well, one of them was cute. One was well, Romeo and Juliet. Okay, that, that one was adorable. That was that one was was. was but a, then there's one cute. with seals. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet sealed with a kiss. Yeah, this is neither That's, of those. That uh, was. Uh, I, I could go the rest of my life without you mentioning that again. So thank you. <laughs> well, maybe someday we could do a drunk review for patrons of that, like. If we get to $1,000 on our Patreon. I don't think that'd be very good to listen to. It'd just be me yelling about the absurdity of some things. <laughs> Racist seals. Uh, yeah, that probably would be. Uh, uh, and my brain, I'm trying to go back to your question about who did not write this. Because I know the answer, but my... We have a my, week for him. My, I know we do. I know we do. And my brain is still going, do, 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 Starts with a W. It's not helping right now. All my brain power has been diverted into just keeping my body alive right now. 
all non-critical system functions have been eliminated. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, then. Well, Weber. Yes. I can't remember his first name, but I remember Weber. <laughs> Weber did not write this. So who did not write this? Weber. Weber did not write I, this. I do not know his first name. There's a lot of Webers in the world, I'm sure. But there's probably a fair number of Sondheims. Are there? Maybe not in this country. Who knows? Maybe that wasn't huh. even his real name. No, that was his real name. It's very right Peter Parker-esque, but Stephen Sondheim. Didn't I say Robert Sondheim earlier? Yes. Oh, God. Like we said, our bodies are currently trying to just keep us alive, but we love you all so much. <laughs> that we didn't want to <laughs> skip out on an episode this week. <laughs> so... Let's take a brief intermission and try to survive and watch West Side Story. <laughs> and then we'll give you our delirious recounting of it. <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> Alright, Warren, it's time for the best part of every intermission. Getting snacks that we can't bring back into the theater? Even better. Now that the lights are back up, we can look into the playbill. This week we have some exciting news with our Patreon sponsors. Our alpha sponsor, Jasmine Wu, is now joined by Bianucci. We have two sponsors, Kay. Sweet. This is super exciting. I can't believe that we have two sponsors already on our show. And thank you guys so much for contributing to our show. We greatly, greatly, truly, truly appreciate it. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you truly from the bottom of our hearts. Seriously, guys, thank you so much. And here's a message from one of our favorite podcasts called History on Blast. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. So what'd you think? Um, it was, it was, it was all right. I'm, full disclosure, I'm not the biggest fan of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Mostly, uh, <laughs> because I just don't like the whole love at first sight, I would die from you, wait, I know nothing about you, let's get married, like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like that type of story generally. Um, this is a pretty good adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it touches on all the the key aspects of, yeah. of that show. 
you know, and uh, of course it, you had pointed it out that at the very beginning there's a girl in the street drawing on the sidewalk with sidewalk chalk, and then Griff comes over and, get out of here! Yeah. This is our turf! And that kind of kicks off the whole mm-hmm. machismo of, we own these streets, this little strip of street that apparently yeah. is so important to us. And the boys are, uh, the boys are, they're flapping their arms around. It looks like they're getting ready to fly south for the winter. I mean, there's just a lot of arm flailing and racial slurs. Well, they are the Jets. Yeah, they're, oh, good point. They're, well, Jets don't flap. No, but... Just stick their arms out straight. Sorry, yeah. I smacked you when I gestured just now. <laughs> but uh, in, in the very beginning, I I mean, lots of dancing and leaping about, uh, com- you know, combined with racial slurs being shouted at, mm-hmm. because it had like the, the bit back and forth of, you know, you have the white people walking by and the Puerto Ricans harassing them, and then the Puerto Ricans walking by and the white people harassing mm-hmm. them, just showing that there's just a lot of tension on this street. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't really sure what was going on in the beginning, other than a lot of leapfrogging and running away. I assume this is what gang violence was like in ni- in New York's 1950s? Well, like... if, if you think about how much Jerome Robbins wanted there to be dancing in this, everything is... In fact, it's almost like you took a ballet and a musical and made them have a baby. After seeing just this high school production of the show, I can see why they fired him halfway through production of the movie. Because mm-hmm. it's like, dude, get out of here. Like, there's <laughs> too much dancing going on. And, like, I, yeah, I feel like there's a little bit too much dancing for the, the music. I kind of feel like it took away from the uh, emotional gravity of the characters and what was going on. There actually were tensions during the Broadway show, too. Yeah. uh, They were just kind of, like, getting sick of him because of all (laughs) of his input. They were just like, please, let us, let us just do our thing. Yeah. And, oh, God. I thought that was interesting when, uh, there was the part where the guys tell them to to get out of here and have a dance, like, Por favor, get your dirty, no good, rotten Puerto Rican out of here. Like that was. Yeah, the I forgot how racist the cop is. It is very racist. It. Like the whole time, I'm going, I hate you. I, like, have, a, I have a note in here somewhere about him, but we're not there yet. And then I thought it was interesting when the jet, when the jets were doing their, uh, their lineup. They're like jets. We're jets men, ace men, rocket men. I'm like little bullet, big missile, slingshot, and other names. <laughs> I mean, they'll seem like just as valid of gang names as anything else. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, thought it was funny, their exclusion. Goyles! Goyles can't be in this gang! We're the He-Man Woman Haters Club! Oh, wait, wrong show. It's Little <laughs> Rascals, but may as well. And then it's like, we ain't making nice with no PRs! Yeah. Like, uh, okay, guys. Uh-huh. And then, uh, I think the reason Tony... And I know they're all hanging around talking about how cool it is to be a Jet. And, mm-hmm. well, where's Tony? Yeah, Tony ain't been around here for a month. He ain't one of us. It's mm-hmm. like, guys, I think the reason Tony stopped hanging out with the Jets was because of all the song and dance practices. It was beginning, you know, it was beginning to be a drag on him. You know, who knew that being in a gang was so theatrical? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Griff goes to find Tony, and he calls him Rigger Tigger Tum Tum. And at this point, um, are you sure this was not written by Andrew Lloyd Webber? Because... Rum Tum Tugger. It's a little too close for that. I'm, I'm still calling shenanigans. I think that... Let's see. Wait. Who did this? Who did uh, West Side Story? Uh, Stephen Sondheim, okay. Leonard Bernstein. Stephen Sondheim 
and Andrew Lloyd Webber are secretly the same person that just live alternate lives and write different musicals. I swear I've seen them in the same place, though. No, it was just a mirror, and they were. it was a mirror, and it was creating an illusion that, that they were in the same place together. only works with Lindsay Lohan and <laughs> Haley Mills. <laughs> All right, back on track. Uh, riff is a biff, like from Back to the Future. Listen, kids, don't be a biff. Don't be a riff, don't be a biff. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's the extra... He, I felt like he was the extra stupid guy of the bunch, at least in my personal opinion. But uh, our leading man, Tony, has had enough of the Jets, but he forgets the first rule of being a Jet. Once you're a Jet, you're a Jet for life. Till, melodra- till melodramatic teen suicide do you part. <laughs> Which, spoiler alert, there is no teen suicide in this one. I thought uh, that caught me off guard. Tony thinks something good is around the corner, has his whole song and dance number about that. There's something good around the corner. Depends on your depression level, Tony, because death is good for some. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Too and, soon. Yeah. It's barely... <laughs> Tony died. Uh, that was interesting. The whole Maria was brought to America to marry Chino. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Just thought the whole, like, ah proud tradition of arranged marriages. They do have to kind of still keep the Romeo and Juliet tension, because remember, Juliet was not supposed to marry Romeo. Well, their families hated each other. Yeah, but she was arranged in a marriage. Um, I think it was Paris was the guy she was arranged to marry. Again, not a huge Romeo and Juliet fan, so I don't remember that. I had to do that. You're a Shakespeare festival, and I was Juliet, and I hated it. You're a theater person, (sighs) so it is more expected of you. I am uncultured swine. Nothing is expected of me. I wanted to be the nurse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See, Chino don't do it for Maria. Maria wants a white boy. I don't, I mean, (laughs) to each their own, Maria. Uh, And then Maria's trying on her new dress because she's excited for the dance and she twirls us into the most awkward teen dance I've seen since my first school dance. (laughs) Uh, And I thought it was interesting. And we were very treated, we were treated to a very interesting musical chair style partner swap with them trying to get the the Puerto Ricans and the non-Puerto Ricans to change partners and dance to be like, see, we got more in common than Mm -hmm. we like to think. We're all the same. Come on. We're just brothers and sisters. Oh, you know, you want to go back to your partners? Okay. And, and have a dance off and give each other evil glares. Okay. Neat. That's, that's cool. (laughs) Uh, Jets versus sharks and a his or hers dance off. The fate of the streets will be decided on the dance floor. (laughs) And while this is going on, uh, Maria and Tony see each other and it's lust at first sight and, (laughs) Don't even give each other names. Just walk up to each other. Start kissing each other. It's like, you know, call me old-fashioned, but I like to at least know the name of the person I'm macking on. Yeah, true. And then, uh, I can't remember Maria's brother's name. Uh, Bernardo. Bernardo. Bernardo sees uh, Tony and his sister being close and pulls her off. It's like, what? The girl I just met is being taken away by her brother who sees his little sister macking on a boy that she just met? I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Isn't this America? I thought this was America. (laughs) Beware of horny white boys, Maria. They're like poison or a knife to the chest. Oh, gosh. Some some source material references there. Jesus. (laughs) And then it's like... Then, uh... Then Tony sneaks off to Maria's house after she gets taken back and it's mm-hmm. Maria Maria that's where he does the whole uh Julia is like uh, uh, was I guess in the traditional stuff that would be the whole 
him outside of the balcony where she goes, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? Yes. Romeo, and that's when he comes out and he's like, I am here. Yeah. But uh, that was interesting. She's, he's like, can I, I want to see you again. I want to meet you again. She's like, okay, come to the, I work at the bridal shop. Come there. Use the back door after dark. And I was like, dang, Maria, you just met Tony and already you're telling him to come to the back door at God. sundown at a bridal shop, no less. Different times, I guess. <laughs> I knew that that was going to happen. <laughs> oh, and then uh, the Puerto Ricans have a song and dance number about being in America versus in Puerto Rico because one of the mm-hmm. girls is a little homesick and mm-hmm. talking about it. And they're like, yeah, but we like things here because it's not crowded and we have roads and what's what's interesting too is that if i remember right in the movie and in some stage productions it's the girls versus the guys so the guys are saying you know they that they miss home and the girls are going well no i want to be in america and i say yeah to be fair they even in the 1950s it was probably better for women in america than i would say in puerto rico me saying i don't know anything about I'm, Puerto I'm Rico not in the 1950s. 100% sure. Um, I just know that this is, you know, the time that America decided, hey, we're going to make this a territory, but we're not going to actually give uh, proper representation or take care of you when I... I'm sorry, I'm, I don't want to get on a soapbox on why I'm still really angry that there is still power out in Puerto Rico. You it's know. been... Because they want the, want the land and the resources, but none of the responsibility <laughs> of taking care of the place. God. But uh, I love how after the whole song and dance number with the Puerto Ricans, um, the cuts to the Jets being at their, their hideout with Doc. Is it like a soda shop that yes, they're hanging out Yes, they're at? at a soda shop. Okay. Soda shop, drugstore, because they were kind of the same thing in the Okay, 50s. and I guess pharmacy too, because they call mm-hmm. him Doc. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they're hanging out at their, their hideout, and... Uh, couldn't believe how sensitive the Jets were. What? You call us hoodlums? My fragile ego can't handle such an affront. Remember the Razor commercial. <laughs> it didn't no, surprise me at I all. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. How dare you insult my masculinity? I'm a cool 1950s gangster boy. Then they have their... their then they have what I thought was interesting, because I had to kind of look to you for confirmation, that they go, basically go into a... Calm down, horny boy. Like, pretty chill much, your yeah. hot blood. Because it's cool boy, crazy boy, rock it in your pocket, grease it, cool it, turn off the juice. Boy, there's a lot to unpack in that. Mm-hmm. Giggity. Um, <laughs> and then Kay, Kay called it uh, Toxic Masculinity is Bad, the musical. Yes. Which is very accurate. Yeah. Because it's, it's basically just a lot of strutting and dick waving that results in two people dead. Three. Well, three people dead. Three by the end. Three people by the end. Uh, and then... It's like, see, this is why community service and after-school programs are so important to keep the youth of yesteryear out of trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing to see here, officer. We're totally not organizing an all-out war that just became an agreement to a one-on-one duel. Nothing to see here. Good old, good old racist cops. I'm super glad that racism is over and we don't deal with that anymore in America. Uh, Uh, next note. (laughs) (laughs) And then I don't know if... Tony actually went through the back door or not because Maria it, no, I think he just he, went through the front door he being went all brazen. The front door. Yeah, because Maria was talking to Anita and then Tony just comes oh, in and she's like, What's this white boy doing here? What's kind of interesting is the way he does that. It's like it's it reminds me of the Popeyes incident. 
he had the privilege of just like, oh, well, I'll go in and be fine. <laughs> so Kay is referring to me walking behind the counter at a Popeye's restaurant to grab another sauce because the lady was busy and also didn't really seem to care about taking care of her customers. And Kay starts laughing, and it wasn't until we got out that I realized, oh, yeah, I guess... I guess yeah, that was a you would have been fine a doing it. Little moment if there I had of done uh, it. <laughs> yeah, double standards type of thing. So, so I think that that's kind of a for being done in the fifties. The show has some woke moments there because they do have some moments where it's like Tony doesn't realize he has this privilege. I think the other thing with Tony too is he is wearing his quote-unquote love armor, yes. and he feels invincible, and yes. he's like, oh, nothing can go wrong, I'm mm-hmm. in love. And he's yeah. not listening to the girl who's like, you cool it, Rocket Man, like, this is going to result very badly if you yes. don't take things a certain way. And he's like, you're just a silly woman, I'm in love, nothing can touch us. It's oh, like, like, like Maria even is telling him, you know, don't don't come to my house, my parents will... Any, any, comes to her house yeah like she it, it, it's really interesting to see how much he's just like no it's okay i know better no you don't tony yeah i thought it was evil when uh oh, evil i'm reading my note i thought it was funny when uh he does show up at her house and he's telling her about how it's magic that what they have is magic and she goes magic is evil and black it's like damn it maria and then you say tony has magic does that make tony black am i missing something Oh know. my gosh! This, I'm, those are her words, and I'm just what? I'm just following it along. Jeez! <laughs> and then I have this note in all caps: "You've known each other one freaking day. Stop making mock plan proposals and weddings, you freaking children!" Like this, this is this is the thing. This is why I never ever liked Romeo and Juliet. Like I know you have a thought. Let me finish my yes, rant. I, I this is why I never liked Romeo and Juliet is because it's like. Anybody, anybody who falls that hard that quickly and then makes those big a decisions, like, over the span of a couple... Like, no. No. You idiots. So that's the other reason I chose this one, is because everybody looks older in the movie version of West Side Story. No one looks like the kids they're supposed to be. It doesn't matter, though. This... Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't matter, You could be in your 30s. If you meet somebody in day one, it's like, oh, we're gonna get married, let's do this mock proposal. I'm like, it's... No. We do live in Utah. No. We were... The, we the, were the fastest, the fastest I heard of anybody getting married in Utah after only knowing each other for a brief period of time was three weeks. Which is still longer than these Good two. Good lord, yeah. So, But yeah, no, um, it just, it does kind of, it, it feels more authentic when you're seeing it as younger people doing this. It's kind of the same reason like with the Enders Game movie where it didn't quite have the same impact because they had all these older actors older kids playing. kids versus six-year-olds. Yeah, yeah six-year-olds, but... It sort of changes the feel of it. It's definitely true. Because uh, otherwise you would have been watching a bunch of 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds <laughs> pretending to be teenagers. And I mean, that's just like most of the the primetime mm-hmm. dramas that you have every now and then. Teenagers don't look like teenagers on TV. <laughs> you gotta use adults. It always makes me laugh of... Uh, sorry, a bit of a tangent. It always makes me laugh of... There's a Family Guy reference that Peter says when he's talking to Luke Perry, and he goes, come on, Luke, you know what it's like to be a teenager. You've been playing one for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then after, I, I don't know 
if that song between the two of them, because there's a part where it cuts to them in bed, in her bed. That's later. Okay, but I wasn't sure, because I can't, I don't remember them parting after he does the whole, it's magic between us or not, or if he stays. So the, it's magic between us happens in the bridal shop. It does? I thought yes. that happened when he went to her room. No. Okay. He goes to her room after gotcha. the bit that we're getting to. Okay. So after he, the bridal shop, when she says that he's black and evil, um... We go back to the the Jets hideout where they have their pre-battle song, mm-hmm. The Rumble is Coming, and, uh, and then they have their argument with, yo, you start it, no, you start it, no, you start it, well, we're gonna end it. Mm-hmm. And uh, too much overlap, like, it was, it was, there was too much going on a bit in that scene, because mm-hmm. it's like, you'll be there, right, tonight, rumble, rumble! This musical's giving me anxiety. I feel like this shows what started that trend. Where there's, like, overlapping different parts yes. of songs going on in the I, same... I haven't seen it used quite so much in shows earlier than West Side Story, and I could be wrong, but I think this show is kind of what started that. And this show started a lot of things. When we do You're in Town, um, then... The whole uh, Keep It Cool song, they completely snag from that for this show. <laughs> like, this show influenced so many other shows, and I think that that's another influencer. Yeah, and then uh, after the anxiety-inducing, multi-layered, five-layer burrito of a song that is that part, uh, they go to... It's under the highway, right? That's yes. where they're going to have their, their showdown. Mm-hmm. I have it in there, he's like... Gringo, I heard that. I don't like that word. I used to get called gringo, and so I heard that, and I was just like, ah, flashbacks. Um, and then uh, they're when they're like getting ready to shake before the fight. Al- is it Alberto? Bernardo. Bernardo. Sorry, Bernardo is like, ah, I don't have drinks with people I don't like. I don't shake hands with people I don't trust. It's like, dude, you already shook hands. Mm-hmm. Just shake the man's hand already. I thought that part was a little contradicting, but and then um. They brawl initially. Tony comes in to try and keep him from fighting, and uh, things get extra heated. And then Bernardo and uh, R- Griff, no, Riff. Ruff, Riff, Griff, Ruff, Riff, Riff pulls out a knife, and they have their, themselves a little knife duel. And then there's the, I thought the, the, the chant from the other guys. Stick the. Yeah. yeah, that was. I was like, oh, I was like, well, I mean, if you if you hate someone enough to kill them, you know, it was then... it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, yeah, no, oh, yay for racial slurs, and then uh... Uh, you're gonna hate ragtime. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I am. Um, and then Tony stops uh, Riff from stabbing him, and then that gets Riff stabbed, and Riff dies, and then Tony freaks out and stabs, you know, uh, Bernardo. Bernardo. And, you know, to be fair, I, in, a, in an intense moment like that, if someone stabbed my best friend, I'd probably stab them. So, just just putting that out there. But then it's like, you see what happens when you think with your dick, Tony? People die. <laughs> didn't you hear the previous song? Cool it. Turn off your juice. But no, he didn't turn off his juice, he didn't cool it, and now two people are dead. See, and two stabbings in a brawl closes out Act 1, and we open up with a girl's slumber party slash makeover party. And uh, that's where we get to hear, I did not know that I Feel Pretty was from West Side Story. I have heard parts of that song before. Kay can even attest that every now and then I would just break out and go, I feel pretty. 
Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. Um, and that, I think, I got that from uh, Anger Management because mm-hmm. they have that in that movie. And that's all that I really knew of that song. And so, now you know. And now I know. It comes from West Side Story and it has Maria talk about how she pities any girl who isn't her. And I was like, wow, you... You well, I mean, full of yourself. You're you're a little teen girl who doesn't, who hasn't ever experienced this before, and all of a sudden thinks that you are madly in love, and that somebody thinks that you're pretty, and this is your first time feeling it. I'll cut her a little bit of slack because up until this point, she was like the sheltered little girl, not allowed to experience the world at all. Now she's having her moment of. I'm pretty. So what you're saying is if she was a gate, she'd be swinging. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's basically telling her friends that she's going to get married tonight and likely get laid and she's in love and all this stuff. And they're just like, you're insane. And it's, it's yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, Romy, I feel like, okay, I am going to do this joke. I'm going to do this joke. I debated about doing this joke because God. of our 14-year-old and up rating uh but i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna do this joke because i think it it is necessary for this podcast well well this show uh romeo and juliet should be a psa for why masturbation is okay masturbation saves lives okay (laughs) if these two horny teens would have just taken some time to themselves they probably would have realized that it was mostly the emotions and people would still be alive so there we go. That's and our brief maybe PSA. if they would have still had, like, oh, but I do still have a crush on you, they would have gone about it the right way. Yeah. And not the, let's get married yep. the day after. The day after we meet each other. So the funny thing about I Feel Pretty is that this is a scene that is pretty much straight out of Romeo and Juliet, except for that it's just a soliloquy, but it's after... Romeo and Juliet get secretly married and Romeo goes off to try and stop the fight with Tip Olton. We all know how that goes. See Riff and Bernardo. (laughs) And Juliet, meanwhile, has the soliloquy where she's basically talking about, we just got married. He's going to come back. And this is how banging our wedding night is going to (laughs) be. That is what the soliloquy basically is. She's just basically... She's just basically excited she's going to get laid. Yes. (laughs) And so, I Feel Pretty is the more innocent version of that. And it's one of those things that uh, when I did Romeo and Juliet at Shakespeare, I was 12, maybe? But we did it, like, from the play, and we had these notations on what each section meant. (laughs) And I was just, they're like... I so feel were, so awkward doing so, these lines because I know what she's saying. Because you're, you're this 12-year-old religious girl singing a song. And, Not singing, just well, talking, well, talking through well, the soliloquy. Doing, doing the lines, and you know that the lines are about... Yeah. About Juliet going, I can't wait to get laid. And I'm 12 going, oh, this is awkward. That's, that's so funny. Um And, of course, Maria is just treating her friends like they're a bunch of haters and they're just Mm -hmm. jealous. It's like, no, your friends are not haters, Maria. You are insane. You've known this boy, like, two days. Yeah. I totally side with your friends in this. Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe the the girls all leave because Chino Chino shows shows up and needs to talk to Maria. And that's when she finds out that her brother is dead and that Tony is the one who killed him. 
And she's just like, no, he wouldn't do that. It couldn't be him. It's, well, maybe if you'd known Tony longer than a day before agreeing to marry him, you might have learned that he had a bit of a temper. So just, just, just FYI out there for people who think they've met the man or woman of their dreams and have only known him for one day and are planning to get married already. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't really know somebody for, I think it takes eight years to get to know somebody, truly. About that, like that, yeah. Uh, relationship psychologists, I think, say that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tony and Maria have their I have a dream that the sharks and the jets can come together and be friends. That was my least favorite part of the entire musical. Mm -hmm. You said that it was kind of optional. A lot of shows don't do it. Yes. Because it's basically just a ballet. Mm -hmm. uh, because Sondheim. No, not Sondheim. Bernstein. Bernstein. And Robbins. And Robbins. Mostly really, Robbins. Mostly Robbins really <laughs> liked dance and wanted this to mostly be dance with some music in it. Uh, I didn't, no, nothing against any of the dancers, anybody who participated in that, mm -hmm. just for the flow of the general story, that was my least favorite part of the musical. Yeah. I kind of felt like that could have been cut out with just them singing about how, you know, and can't we all just get along? That's <laughs> usually what it is, is usually it's just a duet between Tony and Maria um, singing the, there's a place for us. Somewhere a place for us. Ah, that was way off key. Yeah. Still sick. <laughs> but um, uh, the, normally it's that, and in this version, they're, it, the whole cast is on stage singing that yeah. as this ballet is happening. And I do like the touch that they have there with them. Basically, Maria hugging Riff and Tony hugging Bernardo. Yeah. That's kind of a good symbolic moment, and it's one of those, like, I wish that you could keep that symbolism in, but get rid of the fluff of the rest of that ballet mm -hmm. sequence. Yeah, because I, just, I felt like it was really not needed. Yeah, the rest of that ballet sequence did not work. There's, a, I mean, there is a reason why that number is called the Somewhere Ballet, not just Somewhere, um, but whatever. Yeah. It's not my direction. <laughs> but after the Somewhere Ballet, we get to the uh, the Jets back at their hideout, uh, talking about how hard it is for them. And it, and it kind of reminded me almost like it's the Jets version of Annie's like, it's a hard knock mm -hmm. life for us. Except for it's that they... It's a hard knock life for Jets. They're more of jerks about it. Like, oh, see, we are no good by the end of the song. Like, yeah. Which was doing? I mean, it was a, it was a, it was an okay song. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely not my favorite, but uh, let's see. And then we have okay. This is where it comes to uh, Anita finding out that Maria and Tony are together, mm -hmm. and because after like she comes to Maria's bedroom and her and Tony are in bed together, and she basically has to rush him out mm -hmm. and uh, lets Anita in and she could smell sex in the room. She knew what was going on. God. Because um, she knew exactly what was going on. There was no pulling the wool over Anita's eyes. Oh. And uh, then she has her song of stick to your own kind. Like this boy is no good. You'll meet another. Stick to your own kind. Date one of your own kind. And me being a, a pasty cracker married to a, a black woman. Uh, of course I take issue with that kind of uh, message. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, 
Well, you know, I mean, I, I think a better reason for not being with Tony is that he killed your brother. See, something like that is a yeah. valid reason. Saying don't be with him because he's a white boy. Nah, I mean, I'm, that's... And I'm amazed that, I mean, I know it has to happen for the Romeo and Juliet allegory to work, but I'm still amazed, and I guess I'm amazed too with how it happens in Romeo and Juliet, that Maria slash Juliet stays with Tony slash Romeo after Tony slash Romeo kills Bernardo slash Tybalt. I think that that would have at least been a case if we need to go to counseling before I can decide to be with you, because this is a pretty big deal because you killed my brother slash cousin, so... (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, racist slash cop makes an appearance at the... (laughs) Puerto Rican slash immigrant residents to make a uh, interrogation slash questioning of Maria, uh, who the Maria lies to the cop, says it was someone named Jose rather than mm-hmm. uh, Tony. Tony, and then uh, uh, she, yeah, and during that part, she tells Anita to go to the drugstore, and basically it's like covert. She's like, "Go give a message for me," mm-hmm. but you know, pick up quote-unquote, aspirin formula. You know, it was pick up something for me. He's like, the cop's like, you don't have aspirin? It's like, oh, I need something more special. And uh, I guess that would... Would that technically be in the Romeo and Juliet? That'd be... No, no, no. Would that be her going to get the poison? That would actually be her working with Friar Lawrence where she's like, okay, we're going to fake my death. And then... Yeah. Friar Lawrence was going to get a message sent to Romeo who was who's been banished saying she's not dead you know cool it come get Turn off your juice yeah come meet here at the tomb and i will help get you out yeah and then the friar who he sent with the message gets stuck because of a plague yeah so but in this version of it uh maria sends anita to docks to leave a message for for tony and on the way she gets harassed by the jets who turn out to be a bunch of almost rapists Mm -hmm. uh that immediately made me not like have any sympathy like when they were kind of razzing her at first i was like okay like i can kind of expect that a little bit but i expected them to to like move and let her go talk to doc i didn't expect them to hold her down and prepare to rape her until doc busted in to be like what is the matter with you bunch of chuckleheads, like, you idiots? Like, mm-hmm. how many times do I have to tell you to, to stop doing this? And Yeah, it was... It, when I first saw this, I was surprised by it, too. True. And I was... Is that 13? in the movie? Uh, yes. Oh. I believe it is in oh. the movie, because some there is that catalyst for Anita to yeah, and, say what she yeah, says. Of course, because of the Jets doing that to her, uh, Anita... <laughs> says, leave a message for Tony, tell him that Maria is dead, that Chico found out about the two of them and shot her, mm-hmm. which was not the message at all, but granted that, you know, if I had just almost been raped, I'd probably be a little upset about it, too. It would be a case of, like, okay, that's it, I'm making the choice. <laughs> I did I did like her line that she said, if I saw any of you bleeding in the street, I would walk around you and spit on you, mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's and like, then one of the guys was, like, gonna come at her, like, how dare you say that after we almost rape you? It's like, moron. Yeah. But it's like, oh, but you found that offensive. Oh. But, uh, of course, uh, Anita saying that Maria is dead, that snowballs things, and, you know, you know how the story goes. It's Romeo and Juliet for crying out loud. And, uh, of course, Tony shows up to 
get money from Doc so that he and Maria can basically escape to their new life. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doc tells him, oh, don't worry about paying me back. And he's like, oh, I'll pay you back. Everything's going to be great. And Doc uh, breaks the news to him that Maria has been killed. And Tony, you know, understandably so, even if he's only known the girl for a couple days, gets really... He basically gets suicidal. He wants yeah. to die. His, his love is dead and he wants to join her. So he goes around the streets uh calling for chico come kill me chico come chino kill me. chino not chico sorry chino come kill me chino and uh i can't remember the name but what was the name of the girl who tries to stop him anybody's 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 shows up and he tells her yeah you're a girl get out of here go be a girl kind of thing which was, okay <laughs> but uh and then uh he sees maria and he's you know of course excited she's not dead and they rush to embrace, and he gets shot. Yep. He gets shot in the gut. And then we have this very powerful scene of Maria holding Tony as he's dying, and they're kind of singing their last song together, and then he dies, and Maria picks up the gun that Chino dropped, and I thought that she was going to turn it on herself. I thought for sure, I was like, because Romeo and Juliet, she, she kills herself, she stabs herself. And I Mm -hmm. thought for sure she's going to turn the gun on herself. But then she has this very heartfelt moment where she's like, how many of you can I kill and still have a bullet for myself? Like, how do I, you know, how do I use this gun, Chino? You know, how do I take a life kind of thing? And she basically just tears into all of them for for being stupid, saying that they all killed Tony. They were all responsible for Tony's death. And Bernardo. And Bernardo. And Riff. And Riff. Yeah, she she basically lays the blame at all their feet because it was all of their faults. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... uh, she drops the gun. No, I can't Does she drop the gun or she hand it to the She gives cop? it to the cop. She gives it to the racist slash cop and then goes over and weeps over Tony's body. And the cop just stands there holding the gun like he's never seen one before. And then guys from both sides of uh, the gangs come in and pick Tony up. And, and they kind of do this funeral parade a bit as they just kind of leave. And, mm-hmm. and the cop's still sitting there holding the gun as we have the girl from the beginning of the show come back out to the street and start drawing with chalk to kind of symbolize the, okay, there's no more gang violence in this street, and it's gone back to being a peaceful street where children can draw on the sidewalk, and Mm -hmm. that's where it ends. And I don't know. Honestly, I kind of think I would have liked it more if Maria would have killed herself. Mm -hmm. Like, she could have given her whole big thing Mm -hmm. at the end, and then just, like, I don't don't know. Then again, I'm putting, I'm projecting. I'm putting myself in Maria's shoes, Mm -hmm. and I probably would have just gone and laid over on your body and just blown my brains out. (laughs) See, and that's the thing, is, like, I sit there and I go, well, it's a really powerful ending. It is a very powerful ending. Because instead of Juliet killing herself, you've got Maria wanting to, and then, like, no, I'm gonna move on. And if I remember right in the stage direction... It's a lot easier to do that when you've known someone for two days! True. But I think in the oh, stage that, yeah, direction... Peaked, that peaked really loud. It's okay. I can edit it. <laughs> um, but in the stage direction, if I remember right, they even say that she has to look forward determined like it's not... Yes, she's sad, but she has to keep going for Tony. Like... In his, not in his name, but kind of in his name. It's, it's more of a hopeful ending than what I feel Romeo and Juliet has. 
because this is more of a broader society thing rather than yeah these two powerful families yeah. who are like exactly these two powerful families that are having a pissing match with one another versus uh mm-hmm. yeah because that's very different because these two different groups are are because the cop is basically saying that they're both scum mm-hmm. it's like you're both scum yeah I what does he call the the white piece says tin hoof well because all the white kids are descendants of immigrants so yeah. they're First generation. Well, we're all descendants of immigrants, but he calls yeah, them. But... He calls them like he said. He calls them like scum of the tiff hoofs or something that they they. Yeah, I can't immigrated. remember what it was, but yeah, he he basically. They call no the tiff the tin hoof scum they immigrated from. Is yes, what he says to them. Yeah, that's one of those things I want to look at the cop and be like, yeah, when did your parents get here? Like mm-hmm. this is America, nineteen fifties. You probably haven't been here longer than two or three generations. Yeah. And, you know, if we want to go way back... <laughs> exactly. So I get really annoyed with that <laughs> anti-immigration uh, shit. Just... Yeah, same. Same. <sighs> Obs. Obs. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's definitely a more powerful story, in my opinion, this way than in Romeo and Juliet proper. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, it sucks that you have to do it with a one-day romance, but... <laughs> and I definitely would say... So my criticisms for the show, too much dancing. Yeah. Too much dancing by far. Um, better than Romeo and Juliet. I would mm-hmm. say it's better than Romeo and Juliet, just given that, kind of like you're talking about, it's dealing with um, discrimination issues versus two powerful families, two rich families mm-hmm. that are fighting each other um so i thought that that was a better a better kind of scenario to play this story out in and yeah i mean that's that's kind of it because i mean it is romeo and juliet yeah you take romeo and juliet you put it in 1950s new york west side it's still the same story with a few differences and Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i i like a lower body count a lower body count that's absolutely true because Original Romeo and Juliet. You have Romeo, Juliet, Tybalt, Paris, uh, Mercutio, Lady Montague dies. So that's six. This show only had three. They cut it down by half. Yeah. yeah see, it's modernized. It's it's very modernized. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was an entertaining show. Uh, mm-hmm. Then again, it's like I guess I don't have as much. I had a lot of notes on it maybe making up for last week when I didn't take very many, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't have as much to say on this one just because it is Romeo and Juliet. If you know Romeo and Juliet, you kind of know mm-hmm. the story. This is better. <laughs> this is better than Romeo and Juliet. Um, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was good. Get, get some thumbs up. Get some thumbs up. Get some awesome. Thumbs up. So that was West Side Story. <clears throat> Next week, um, I kind of want to, do a show that has a really special place in my heart because it was my bisexual awakening. Um, I'm trying to think I have this. not talked about this one very oh, much. Okay, then I, I should not be racking my brain. I will just smash the pee. What, what show is it? We will be watching Peter Pan. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. The Mary Martin version. Sounds good. I know the story of Peter Pan, but I know the Disney version of Peter Pan, which I assume will be a little bit different than the stage version of Peter Pan. Yeah, a bit. A bit. A bit. The way you're saying that leads me to believe that it's very different, and you don't want to give it away. I like it better. (laughs) And not just because of Mary Martin. Oh, fair enough. 
<laughs> so people can look forward next week to Peter Pan. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much for listening. We truly hope you enjoyed this. Please follow us on Twitter at Tone Deaf Musical and like, share, and subscribe. If you loved it, tell your friends and spread the word. If you want to go above and beyond, please donate to our Patreon, which is also Tone Deaf Musical. That's it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf.